So for those who have been around Family Fest a long time, you know the rule. You see Pete's name on the caller ID, which isn't a thing anymore, because we used to have landlines. And you really want to figure out if you want to answer. If it's about a month before camp, you just want to really think twice about it. <laughs> well, now we have text messages. And about six days ago, um, a text message came, and I didn't think anything of it. So I opened it. And how would you feel about sharing your testimony on Sunday? But I don't want to cause any stress. <laughs> and uh, I'm just going to be honest. I was so full of nerves. I'm like, I don't want to do this. Um, I don't know what I'll share. What if I get emotional? Could happen. And then I thought of a friend who a couple weeks ago was asked to speak on New Year's Day at her church. And I was sitting by her when the email came. And she didn't want to do it. And she had really good reasons not to want to do it. But she was obedient. I got nothing. Like I said, you can't say no to Pete or to God when he's got your number. So... The men in my life can stand up here, no notes. They can give a presentation. They can give a sermon. They can lead worship. No notes, no outline. That is not me. So bear with me as I stick very close to my notes. So in thinking about my faith journey, I have to go back to my upbringing. I grew up in Edina, and I was the oldest of the three Keegan girls. Now you know where my son Keegan was named after. My dad is Catholic and I was baptized Catholic. I attended mass with my dad whenever I could at my request. My dad opened a pizza restaurant, Giacchino's Pizza and Pasta, which is still in business 47 years later. He worked 14 to 16 hours a day to provide for his family. So time with just he and I was really special. We always also went to mass when we went to Iowa to visit my grandma and my cousins, so I am very, I know the rich tradition of the Mass by heart. My mom, however, is a Christian scientist. Along with her mom, my grandma, who I was very close to, because my dad worked till 1.30 in the morning on the weekends, he was sleeping on Sunday mornings. So we went to church with my mom, and my two sisters and I attended Christian Science Sunday School. In the Christian Science denomination, they read the Bible, the full Bible, and also the science and health with key to the scriptures by Mary Baker Eddy, who's the founder of Christian Science. Every week you have a lesson where you read the Bible, and alongside of it you read the science and health. They don't believe in medicine or going to the doctor, but just in the power of prayer. They also don't believe in heaven or in hell. I've always been a very detailed person. In fact, Overthinking is one of my superpowers. <laughs> so this was all very confusing to me. I would sit in Sunday school with the kids whose both parents were practicing Christian scientists. They never went to the doctor. However, I have a Catholic father, and we were going to regular checkups and the doctor when anything was wrong. I was doing my lessons and reading the Bible. However, the science and health readings just didn't match up with the scriptures. My grandma was the first reader in her church, which was the highest position of leadership. Oh, how I loved her. Her faith was everything to her, and it ran deep. She always spoke of God's love and putting him first, and she told me often that I was a perfect child of God. My grandma was as good and loving as they come, 
as a side note, my grandma never went to the doctor from the day my mother was born until 51 years later when she had a tumor the size of a grapefruit sticking out of her abdomen. I learned some really good things in Christian Science Sunday School, but I wasn't practicing what was being preached. I was confused about the truth. Going into middle school and high school, I began attending youth group at Colonial Church of Edina with my friends. My sisters, Patty and Amy, also attended with me. Back in the 80s, there were a ton of kids attending the youth groups in Edina. The churches often joined forces, and we did events together. Spring break trips to Colorado were really popular. We took five coach buses of high school kids and their counselors to the mountains for a week of skiing, sitting by the pool, wonderful talks, teaching, and cabin time small groups. Lynn Larson was even my counselor. Enter Pete Larson. From St. Pat's, he was becoming one of my leaders, along with Joe Cavanaugh, who was the leader at Our Lady of Grace, and Jeff Lindsay, who was my high school leader at Colonial. Jeff Lindsay and all of these men, this was the dream team right there. All of these, Jeff Lindsay was pivotal in answering my questions about faith and unpacking all of my unsettling feelings and things I had been taught up to this point. I had so many questions about this faith mutt I had become. With as loving and supportive as my parents were and still are, living out and practicing faith wasn't part of our family life or conversations. I was really trying to figure out this thing called faith, not alone, but apart from my family. You would have thought that all this contradiction and confusion would have caused me to walk away from faith altogether. Instead, God continued to pursue me. In 10th grade, I sat my parents down and I said, I don't wanna to go to Christian Science Sunday School anymore because it doesn't feel right to me to not be practicing what's being preached. It was funny because even though they didn't live out faith, we didn't live out faith as a family, they were adamant that I went to church someplace. So every Sunday morning I had a friend pick me up and I went to church at Colonial where some of my friends attended. Fast forward to 1991, it was one of those spring break trips to Colorado where I met Tim Gallagher. We were both now leaders for high school kids. Oh, I know. I... <laughs> but he didn't want to talk to me because I was from Edina and I was in a sorority. Well, the rest is history. As things were headed towards marriage, I made it very clear to Tim that because of my faith mutt upbringing, it was important to me that my husband and I went to church together and raised a family the same way. After lots of discussions and trying different churches, we joined Christ Presbyterian Church almost 25 years ago. I continued to build my faith in Bible studies, mom's morning, church volunteering, and leadership. Our kids attended camps, mission trips, and we served as a family in many ways. And then, one of the biggest blessings and faith influence of our family's lives came when we were invited to Family Fest 22 years ago. Our oldest son, Keegan, was three, and our twins, Peyton and Ryan, were 16 months old. I remember the first time we were invited. I told Paul Harmon and Dan Moran, we are not taking this Gallagher crazy freak show on the road. <laughs> but by the time we left our very first summer splash camp, mostly with people we didn't know, I was in tears because I had to go home and do this all by myself after all the help and love we had had in the past five days. 
As the years went on, we have attended every Family Fest winter weekend and summer splash camp. We would be told that in the evenings there were KC meetings and who had the best Gallagher boy story of the day. Many of those very patient KCs have gone through the list, there's at least 10 in this room, are now sitting here as adults and some have kids of their own. To you, I say thank you. Thank you for your part in raising my family. And those three little troublemaking boys are here today. Keegan's a camper, and Peyton and Ryan are leading those KCs, along with Peyton's new wife, Bree. I continued to grow and build my faith. At the same time, my parents and sisters didn't have any faith practices, and faith wasn't discussed within our family. Other than once in a while, my mom would remind me that I was God's perfect child. And if I was upset with someone else, she reminded me that they were God's perfect child as well. My dad no longer went to Mass, and after my grandma died, my mom stopped going to church as well. She did, however, hang the beautiful little sign that says, God first, right next to her bed, in the same place that my grandma had it next to hers. Once in a while, comments were made by my dad, and still are in a joking matter, referring to those Bible bangers, or churchhausen. So, now that you have heard a little bit of my background, and a lot of life happened in between, I'm gonna fast forward to the fall of 2019. My little sister, middle sister, Patty, who is now running that same pizza place that my dad opened in 1975, was very sick. She was misdiagnosed and misdiagnosed more than once and continued to get sicker and sicker. In December of 2019, when she couldn't breathe, simply walking to her car, she was hospitalized and diagnosed with Hodgkin lymphoma. Treatment had to begin right then and there in order to shrink the cancer that was literally taking her breath away. It was Christmas Day. But there was a bright side. Only six months of treatment and we were told this is the most treatable and curable cancer there is, until it's not. My faithful prayer warriors, many who are in this room, carried me through and gave me the strength for what was ahead. Patty was not able to run Jaquinos during her treatment, and her sister Amy, who had run the family restaurant with Patty for eight years in the late 1990s, and was still involved in the business decisions, Again, God went before us making a way as Patty's and Amy's entire department at her company she was working for was laid off just weeks before Patty's diagnosis. She was ready to step in and keep things running. As expected, halfway through treatment, Patty was in remission. Praise God. She finished the recommended remaining six treatments and as a safety net. We celebrated as she returned home, surprised her with signs and balloons. A few days later, however, the results of her scan for the end of her treatment showed cancerous activity. How can this be? Her doctor had never seen this before. It's now spring of 2020, and the world is shutting down because of a global pandemic. There were so many unknowns for all of us in this room, but it was even scarier when your sister has zero immunity from going through chemo. Treatment after treatment, failure after failure. This cancer is not cooperating into remission. Amy continued to, the rest, to run the restaurant, and I had the margin in my life to be Patty's person. I attended every doctor appointment and took detailed notes. 
to report back to the family. I was at every chemo treatment, test and scan, and sitting by her side every time, hearing bad news after bad news. I leaned on my faith and God's truth, but what about my parents and sisters? How were they getting through? They didn't have a practicing faith or people of faith in their life to lift them up, but they had me. I was their person too. They didn't want to share too much emotion and their questions with Patty, so I would get all the questions, the whys, the I don't understand, how can this be, and of course the big emotion. My parents' heartbreak was the hardest part of this entire journey. May of 2020, George Floyd is murdered just two blocks from my family's restaurant on Chicago Avenue. Really, God? Hasn't our family been through enough? Now we're putting the plywood boards on the windows, taking them down, putting them back up. Crowds of people are constantly in the neighborhood visiting the memorial just down the street. People are coming into the restaurant and causing all kinds of trouble. My 84-year-old father is on his hands and knees, wiping up gasoline off the entryway floor after somebody tried to burn down his restaurant. His baby that he had opened 45 years prior. This is too much to take. My sister Amy willingly agreed to step in to help our family for the projected six months of treatment. There really wasn't a choice, considering it's now supporting her, my sister Patty, and my parents. Little did she know, she would be also trying to keep the restaurant afloat during a pandemic and now dealing with civil unrest right outside the front door. I would text Bible verses to my parents and sisters every so often, but wanted to be sensitive and not push them away with my Bible banging. They were usually answered with a thumbs up or a heart emoji or a thank you, but no further discussion. I created a caring bridge site, which took some convincing of my sister. I had to be sensitive in my updates, not to be too churchy, because it really was my sister Patty's story. And it's December of 21, and the moment we've been waiting for has arrived. Patty is in remission. When speaking to my dad about this, he told me that he had gone to the Our Lady of Grace Adoration Chapel to give thanks. Hmm. And then I find out he's been going to that chapel every single day for months. He was also listening to Father Michael Schmidt's Bible in a Year podcast that I had told him about. What? Out of a father's desperation, Patty's journey had brought my dad back to church. He's still going to Mass every week and to that Adoration Chapel. Although this remission was great news, now began the scariest part of all. Because of this cancer's persistent recurrence, the best chance of keeping Patty in remission was a stem cell transplant. For those that aren't familiar, a transplant requires lethal doses of chemo. Lethal doses of chemo wiping out your entire immune system, which brings you just on the edge of death. Then the stem cells are reinfused into your body in order to build a brand new, hopefully healthy immune system. An immune system so new that you have to receive all of your childhood vaccines over again because the chemo wipes everything out of your body. It's crazy. Patty is single and I was her primary caregiver. For me, this meant 45 days of complete isolation to stay clear of absolutely all germs. Tim moved up to our cabin. I spent five days at the hospital with her during the transplant. 
and then she required 24-7 care for 30 days. 30 days of daily three-hour doctor appointments and blood transfusions at the U of M when she could barely put one foot in front of the other. Setting an alarm every few hours during the night to administer more medicine than I'd ever seen in my life. I had to give her shots, take her temperature. I was watching, I was charting, I was holding the bucket, I was providing comfort, I was cleaning, doing laundry, cleaning, doing laundry. She had to change her clothes many times a day, change the sheets to keep every ounce of germs or bacteria away from her. You get the drift. Oh, and I mentioned trying to stay clear of COVID. I was living at my sister's house, a teeny little house in Northeast Minneapolis. Only two bedrooms, so I was sleeping on an air mattress in the front entryway. My sisters lived together, Patty and Amy, and Amy was running the restaurant. She would get home late at night, strip off her clothes at the door, head straight to the shower while I fixed her dinner and she would take it upstairs in order to keep her distance from me. She had to walk around her own house in a mask and stay clear of Patty and I. Despite all of her complete diligence, Amy got COVID. We were terrified. We moved Patty to my house and we continued on, all staying healthy. It's a lot to recall and put on paper. At the time, I just keep plugging away. How on earth did I get through my faith and leaning on the faith and support of so many of you? How did my parents and sisters get through? On a personal level, I'm not really sure, but I can tell you the witness they had by watching my faith community. They watched as a meal train filled with mostly people they didn't know. They received encouraging messages on Facebook, on CaringBridge. They received cards and comforting gifts in the mail. All of this from people they had never met. They saw God through his people showing up and they were in awe. During this transplant time, my son Ryan was serving as a volunteer with a middle school boys choir living in a monastery in Spain. He was across the world and it was hard. Without fail, every single morning during that 45 days, I woke up to a text with a Bible verse and a song sent from Ryan. I have the playlist if you'd like it. Not only did it help carry me, but I began then to forward them to my parents and my sisters every single day. Heck, they can't accuse me of Bible banging <laughs> when it's coming from their beloved grandson and nephew. Now can they? My parents and sisters have witnessed all three of our sons pursue their faith in different ways. Whether it's through Ryan's weekly phone calls to his grandparents and him being bold enough when he was in Spain, in Spain to pray for them during a FaceTime call. Nobody's ever done that before for them. And he, they, when he opened his eyes, they were both in tears. They've seen Peyton answer God's call to move nine hours away to Michigan to work with a young adult ministry where he doesn't get paid and has to raise his own salary. That is beyond their comprehension. It looks like Keegan always prioritizing his family, sharing meals with his grandma and grandpa, providing dog care, and even scheduling weekly dates, picking up dinner, and watching TV series together with my sisters. This is what God's love looks like. Although I have made efforts, a lot of efforts, with my family, 
I've been hard on myself through the years for not being bold enough with my family of origin. But what if God's plan is for them to grow in faith through my boys, the next generation? Psalm 100, verse 5, For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And from one of my favorite artists, a local artist, Sarah Groves. I'm going to encourage you all to look up the song later because we don't have time to play the whole thing. The chorus says, it's called Generations. The song is called Generations. Remind me of this with every decision. Generations will reap what you sow. I can pass on a curse or a blessing to those I will never know. Patty is now 16 months post-transplant and cancer-free. She just had her port removed from her chest a few weeks ago after three years. She's back to doing what she loves, running that restaurant. Amy's previous company hired her back, and last August we celebrated the amazing wedding of Peyton and Brie Gallagher. It was a big moment, not only because I prayed, I have prayed since my boys were little for the spouse that would come into their life. She's the real deal. But our entire family was present. Patty and the Black were all there and healthy. We are grateful for today because that's truly all we can count on. Remember when I told you that rather than walking away as a teenager because of my confusing faith mutt upbringing, God continued to pursue me? I leaned in. I embraced the crooked path and attended youth group at Colonial Church. Like I said, my youth group leader was Jeff Lindsay. He was probably all of 24 years old. But to me as a teenager, he had all the answers I needed. He helped me straighten my path and answered all my questions, many, many questions, pointed me to truth, and helped me form my faith. Before Jeff came to Colonial, his first job was the middle school director at Hope Presbyterian Church in Richfield. In October of last year, my son Ryan started his very first job as the middle school director at Hope Presbyterian Church. I could not wait to share this news with Jeff for him to hear how spending time with a confused, seeking teenager like me led to a pursuit of faith, a lifelong pursuit. Jeff's influence on me then led me to do my best at teaching my three boys what it looks like to live a life of faith. And now my son Ryan is starting his career in Jeff's very first job. What a testament of life coming full circle and God being in the details. Through hearing part of my story, I hope you've heard that no matter our past and our faith history, God is good. He will pursue us. He can grow us. He can redeem us and he is faithful through all generations. Thanks.